Hey, Summit Church, this is Kent from Summit Downtown, and I am jumping in on the front of this podcast to let you know that Summit Downtown has developed our own podcast feed. Uh, we thought that might be best in the time where people are utilizing the podcast feed more and all congregations are posting not only Sunday podcasts, but midweek podcasts. And in order to make it more uh, usable and less confusing for everybody, we have the Some Downtown podcast, which is currently available both on Spotify and Anchor. We're working on it, going out through all the RSS feed podcast services, which, yeah, hopefully soon will include Apple Podcasts, uh, Caster, all the other ones that you may or may not use. Wherever uh, you consume fine podcasts, you will soon be able to find the Some Downtown podcast. Either way, uh, this episode that you are going to hear now is currently on there, as well as all the episodes that have basically since COVID-19 social distancing began. Uh, that's where our feed has now dates back to. So I hope you enjoy this episode. And uh, yeah, if you'd like to keep up with Some Downtown, uh, please subscribe and uh, we will uh, see you over on that feed. Hey, Summit Church, this is Kent, and I am back for another midweek downtown mini-pod. And I wanted to address this well, morning, I guess, is what it is when I'm recording this. The Something I've been hearing a lot, and I've been hearing from the church or Christians, and it's about a either legitimate concern or maybe uh, just a rage against the machine moment for uh, the church of this, what's often articulated is, hey, we're having the ability to practice our faith taken from us during COVID-19 and during social distancing. We can't assemble, we can't meet. Uh, and I, yeah, I hear people in the church saying that, yeah, we're not allowed to congregate on Sundays and, and if, if, why can't we just allow churches to be smart about it and if they want to meet or not they can if they want to social distance or not they can like the church is essential when it comes to caring for people but it's not essential when it comes to meeting on a Sunday or you know maybe they just decide to go like flat out and live out Psalm 91 you know the Psalm 91 probably is if it's been quoted once it's been quoted a million times uh which is a psalm where the psalmist basically writes you know no plague will touch you you know uh which is not exactly like a direct promise to all Christians of all times. I mean, that, that is a moment that says this is God's character. He can protect his people from plagues and has historically protected his people from plagues at times, particularly when they were um, risking their life to to care for others. Um, but uh, also a lot of them died. A lot of them died. Most of them probably. Um, and that's not like this direct correlative promise. But but regardless, people are like saying like, well, but if we want to live out with that that live with that kind of faith, live with that kind of sense of, hey, we are going to care less about what happens to us and more about what happens to others, then why can't the church do that by meeting on Sunday? After all, hasn't the church historically not cared for personal safety during plagues? And sure, I will grant that. There are um, there are ways and there are realities and worlds moving forward in which that might exist and that might actually become something that the church would need to do. Uh, but it's not there yet. And if it is in small ways, there are ways to still respond, like the church and the plague. And I'll, I'll actually get back to that in a second. But first, I want to talk about the sense that, yes, we can't assemble right now, at least, you know, not legally. And right now, uh, Governor Holcomb, uh, for Indiana at least, is getting ready to uh, 
do a press conference, I think tomorrow, talking about how what is the plan for moving forward. And likely we're not planning on it saying churches of, you know, we'll, we'll have gatherings of over 100 people. I think they're still going to say, like, you know, limit gatherings to a, a small amount of people. Maybe it's missional communities, community group size, um, and maybe it's not. But, you know, we'll see. Um, regardless, uh, we're likely going to keep the digital gathering going, even if MCs are able to meet. We are going to, if MCs are able to meet, we're going to encourage MCs to meet, and we're going to encourage them to um, meet and uh, sing in the digital gathering together and to then, you know, after there's that short meditative teaching and then discuss, they can discuss together. So if that is available, we are going to put out safe guidelines for how MCs can meet safely and wisely uh, and basically leave it up to the MCs to want to do that, to do that, uh, and then to still be able to stream the digital gathering together and operate that way. Um, and so, yeah, we're, we're on the eve of figuring out more about that. But... Let's say Governor Holcomb comes out tomorrow and says social distancing is like going to get more intense starting the May 1st and is going to go with like, we don't even want, you know, you to leave your homes at all. And I mean, let's just go worst case scenario. It's like, you know, this straight up, like you have to have like a, a, a license or a, or a certificate to like be an essential worker to like leave your home or to get something. I don't think it's going to go to that, but let's just, for the sake of argument, say that it does. Um, there is nothing actually about practicing our faith that gets taken from us in that scenario. In fact, I would argue, and I'm going to argue, we actually might be able to practice our faith better. Because we are, all of a sudden, overnight, through social distancing, a couple, you know, about a month ago now, the church basically has only the ability to do that which the church claims to care the most about. Like, for all time, for all the sermon series and all the teaching that you hear the church saying, hey, these are the things we care about, none of those things have been taken from us. In fact, they've actually been enhanced. And just really quick, four things I can think of really quick off the top of my head. First is equipping people. The Whole purpose of the church, Ephesians 4.12, to equip the saints to do the work of ministry. The saints are not the holy people. They are the church. Everyone who is in the church is a saint. That's just Paul's language. And so if you were to equip the saints or to equip the church to do the work of ministry, we actually are more freed up to do that right now because church leaders don't have to worry as much about Sunday gatherings and volunteer teams and logistics, and so they can spend more of their time, whether through Zoom calls or safe, wise, social distanced outdoor meetings or whatever you want to do, to meet with deacons and meet with non-staff elders and meet with MC or community group leaders and, and meet with just other leaders in the church and help equip the saints to do the work of ministry. Because, yeah, like individual pastors are not going to be able to connect with the majority of the people right now. But the church is still going to connect with itself. The body is still going to care for itself. And so equip the body to care for itself more effectively. I, I saw on social media this week uh, when there was banter going back and forth about specific churches reopening in, in creative ways. And, and one person was just like, who was a part of a church that was reopening was saying like, well, people are hurting. They need their pastor right now. And it's like, well, yeah, I get people are hurting. And I, I feel for that. And I, I hear that. Um, but, hey, I don't think they're going to see their pastor. I think they're just going to get together in a room in in their church building and watch a screen just like they could have done at home. But even if they 
even if they do see their pastor, it's like, yeah, they need to be pastored by someone, but it doesn't necessarily need to be that one guy. It could be the whole church caring for the body. And you can do that better right now, uh, arguably, again. Uh, second thing you can do better, prayer. The church claims, and I believe the church, the true church, is set to do and loves to do the work of prayer. And again, now with less time and energy taken up by logistics for Sundays, we can pray more. We can pray more actively, more fervently, more people. You can talk to, we, we can be telling all our people or, or, you know, community group leaders, MC leaders. I keep saying community group leaders just to make this a little bit more wide, you know, in the audience here. But MC leaders um, or, you know, whoever you are, you can influence your people to say, hey, do you want to serve our church right now? Pray. And we always, I think, sometimes shrink back from doing that because that's actually way, it's way easier to, to show up on a Sunday morning, set up chairs, and put out coffee because you know when you did it, you know when you accomplished it, there's a sense of accomplishment, it's tangible. Prayer is a lot more just like laboring and like, did I do it right? And am I doing it? And just, you know, it's nebulous and, and it's relational. It's much more messy than a task because it's a relationship with our God. But we can pray arguably better now. We have, all, all our people are freed up with a little bit more time and energy. And some people are like, I'm a parent and I have my kids home and I'm homeschooling them. I have less time. That's a good point. But still, for the majority of the church, we probably have a little bit more time to pray. Uh, for even parents uh, who are struggling to find that time, the great thing about prayer is you can do, you can pray a thousand times a day. You can pray 10 second prayers. You can find time. There's The one thing about prayer is it can't be taken from you. It is always available to you. It doesn't have to start really flowery flowerly and end really you know just with beauty and eloquence and grace it can just be god i need your freaking help right now to get through this next 10 20 minutes of my day or god you know what you're doing with this you know what you're doing with all that's going on right now keep people unified please right there two prayers those two prayers i just did and i think god heard him and i think he loves to answer him and so, yeah, we can equip, we can pray, we can shepherd. We can shepherd better now. And this, again, is not just church leaders. This is just the church in general. The whole church is called to do the work of ministry. The whole church is called to, to shepherd. And we all can shepherd better than ever right now because people are a little bit more freed up in their schedules. It's not as much just like, well, what are you doing? Oh, I got something every night of the week. No, you probably don't. Or if you do, it's a little more flexible. And people are freed up during the day because they're working from home. I'm texting and calling people just during the day, and people are picking up or responding because you're available, and you can take five minutes to respond to a couple texts. And so, yeah, it's, I, I've been trying to do, like, basically the hugest bulk of my time right now is spent towards just texting and calling and connecting with, with our members and with our regular tenders. And if I haven't connected with you, I, I apologize. It's I'm, I'm really not doing it through a real systemic way. I mean, I, I'm trying to at least make sure... I connect with all the members, but when it comes to regular tenders, it's like, I'll think of someone there. And even with members, it's like, I'm thinking about this person. I'm praying for this person. I reach out, I text, I hear more, I pray a little bit more for them. Um, it's not like a systematic, you know, uh, I got to get these five names in the next day or whatever. It's just like, yeah, I, I'll, I don't know. Like, I sense the spirit moving in me, uh, a shepherding heart that I think is connected to his spirit. And I'm not trying to like pat my back. I'm just trying to say, I think we can do that better right now. Like, not only are people more freed up, 
but people are less able to pretend that they have their life going together right now. Like people are just more willing to be like, you know what? My life is a snow globe that just got shaken up. The whole globe is. The globe is a snow globe that got shaken up. And I really could use someone to talk to because life sucks right now or my marriage sucks right now or uh, I'm completely isolated and lonely right now. Or I'm depressed right now. And just people are a little bit more willing to go there. And so I would argue you can actually shepherd people are more available and more emotionally available. And so, uh, yeah, I'm just, I'm trying to send texts. And, and usually when I, when I send a text to you guys, what the first thing you'll do is what I would do if I got a text from someone, I would try to just give them a sh quick, quick, short response in case this is just like, oh, they're texting 20 people in this next hour. And so just like, yeah, I'm doing well. Here's one thing you pray for me for. And then you expect probably me to say like, thanks, I'll pray for you. And then not go on. But what I'm doing after that is then like asking follow-up questions. And then if you ask how I'm doing, I give you a book about how I'm doing. Uh, just to kind of like say like, yeah, I'm, I, I, wanted, I, I do care. And I, and I want to know. And I want to pray for you. And I want to actually know what's going on. And I want to check in regularly. And um, I'm not just trying to check boxes off of a list to make sure that you feel like you got connected with. Um, it's just a, I have the time to do it and, and arguably it's the best thing I could do with my time. And I'm really actually looking forward to figuring out how I can continue to incorporate that even when we get to meet publicly again, because I really don't want to give that up. Last thing we can do uh, more effectively, we can care, we can respond and care, um, particularly because a lot of resources that are typically driven towards Sunday gatherings, whether uh, right now we have a lot of our resources freed up because, you know, we don't own our space. And so we uh, are gifting a month of rent to, to Westminster. But after that, we are able to then, you know, figure out how to use those resources to care for people who are losing work or are, you know, unable to work while, while being quarantined or, or whatever the reason. Um, but so churches who own their building or maybe paying a mortgage don't have that ability, but you probably do, your coffee budget is not as big right now and your meeting budget is not as big right now and so much of your budget is getting freed up and so you actually have more resources to, to begin to prepare or to actively care for people as grocery bills, as, uh, as utility bills. Uh, as things are starting to need, need to be paid, uh, as medical bills, are, you can start either preparing for that or actively doing it if it's already at your doorstep. I'm guessing some of it, it's, it's already starting to come at our doorstep. So I'm guessing, you know, we're not that big of a church. I'm guessing the bigger the church, the quicker it's, it's come to that doorstep. And so, yeah, you can care more. And, and here's the thing, too, of the sense of, I hear, again, some Christians kind of saying, like, hey, we need to civilly disobey the government and we need to meet publicly uh, so that we they let we let everybody know you, that we can practice our faith and that Christians we're not scared of this plague because we know our God will protect us or whatever the reasoning is but if you need to care for someone do it and do it quietly to respect this moment and 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 peaceably disobey I I see some people doing the opposite of like we're going to announce how we're disobeying and publicly disobey. But then when we actually get together, we're going to adhere to the guidelines. We're going to be 10 people in a room. And I'm like, that's the opposite, actually. You're, you're, in private, you're obeying. In public, you're disobeying. And I would say flip that. In public, we're adhering to the guidelines. In my private family life right now, the last couple of weeks, we've probably taken care of like four sets of kids. 
that yeah, that's not the best social distancing, bringing other people's kids into your home. But those four sets of kids are connected to people we love who need help right now. And it wasn't like the situation of like, well, you just need a night out because they weren't going, like, no, they just needed help. They needed connecting. They needed just to relate. And, and, and so there's a time where we can publicly say, yeah, we are adhering to this, but privately, if we realize, hey, you need, you need help, you need to be cared for, then do it. Privately disobey. Privately, civilly disobey. They, you know, even if that law is made, which hasn't been met yet, but if that law gets passed of you can't have people in your home, well then yeah, I'm probably going to privately at times disobey, but publicly I'm going to honor the government. I'm going to honor our leaders. And I'm not going to flip that. And so yeah, COVID is rough, but it hasn't prevented us from building the kingdom. Historically, plagues and persecution are moments that the kingdom breaks out more violently than ever. I mean, that I use that language specifically of breaking out violently because I love the language of Oh gosh, what is it? Matthew. Uh, it's in the book of Matthew, and I'm not going to get it right now, but in the book of Matthew, and probably in some of the other Gospels too. The moment of the transfiguration, uh, when Jesus, when his glory is fully revealed to, uh, to Peter and John and James, I think. Uh, you know, Jesus has that moment where he says, like, you know, who do you say that I am, Peter? And Peter says, you're, you're the son of the living God. You are the Messiah, and you are not just a man. You are God in the flesh. And Jesus is like, yeah, you answered really well. That's right. And he says, I tell you, you are Peter, which means stone in that language. And he says, and on this rock or stone, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Which I think when normally I hear that, the gates of hell shall not prevail against it, I actually flip it in my mind. I think, like, well, hell is really scary, and it's going to try to prevail against the church, but the gates of hell won't you know, be able to break through the church. But actually, it's the opposite imagery. It's the imagery of the gates of hell are the ones that are trying to keep the kingdom out. The hell is the one who's on the defense. And the kingdom of God is the instrument that is so violently powerful that even when hell is doing its darndest with death and demonic and decay and all the things that it has... It will not prevail against the kingdom from busting down the walls of the gates of hell. It's a complete opposite image, and it's actually a much more compelling image in my mind. Of It's not like, oh, we're going to be trying to keep hell out. No, hell is going to huddle up and try to keep the kingdom out, but it can't. Christians, scared, and it's okay. I mean, yeah, this is rough. It, it's okay to be scared and for a lot of different reasons, but I see some people scared and I don't think it's scared for COVID. I don't think it's scared for people's well-being. And even if that's true, if even if it's just like, ah, oh, they're just scared about their individual church and they're scared about their, their livelihood, again, that's legit and it's okay to be scared. It's okay to not know what to do. It's okay to like just be weak, but let's not, let's fight to remember that the kingdom is likely crashing in violently right now. The spirit does his best work, not from nothing, but from chaos. I mean, think about Genesis 1, creation. The Spirit creates, uh, the Spirit of God creates not from nothingness, but from, uh, uh, it says, aim, you know, formlessness and void and, and chaos and darkness. Like the.
nothingness. It's wild and it's wastefulness and the spirit creates from it. And the cross, the cross is another big moment of the spirit breaking out. And it wasn't like a neutral part of Jesus' life. It was the cross. He was brutally executed and died and was dead for three days. And that is the moment, not just nothingness that the spirit makes the, his best work out of, but of chaos and of wild and waste. And so, yeah, I, I would argue that God exclusively does his best work, not from a lack of opportunity, a lack of means, a lack of material, but actually the opposite with horrible opportunities, horrible means and horrible materials. And yeah, that's, that's what the Spirit does. He does his best work, not from nothing, but from chaos. And right now, I think the kingdom is crashing in in a way that the gates of hell and COVID-19 and the, a downturn economy and all the other things that come along with this will not be able to prevail against it. Doesn't mean it's going to be easy. Doesn't mean it's going to be good. Doesn't mean that Psalm 91, that God won't bring a plague.